0: Wow. Good evening, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is in your neck of the woods, it is time, once again, for another exciting episode of the Bakery Podcast. It is I, your host, on this very cold and rainy day in Ohio, my name is Aaron Baker, and I hope you guys are ready for this episode, because as you can tell by the to this week, we're going to the extreme... <clears throat> That's right, we're covering ECW November to Remember 1999. And this episode wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for the recommendation from John Tay Davenport over at the Dark Lord of Memes podcast. I, I I'm gonna tell you right now, I thoroughly enjoyed this show. There were a couple of matches um Le- last two matches of the show that I'll get into that I really didn't like that much because I had seen it before so so yeah there's that but before we get into that I want to talk about something that's going to go down later on tonight and that is the final farewell or the last ride of The Undertaker that's right 30 years in the wrestling business is a long time to dedicate to yourself and to the business as a whole and The Undertaker has done just that now I'm not going to bore you with all the history if you want to know all the history of The Undertaker go subscribe to the network for free for your first month or if you're a reoccurring subscriber $9.99 per month Now. I'm not going to bore you with all the history I'm not going to bore you with all the stats He's a multi-time WWE champion Multi-time world heavyweight champion But when you talk about Wrestling There are certain People That you know of Like for example I mentioned wrestling to somebody And they're going to mention probably Hogan Hulk Hogan Uh, Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, and then there's The Undertaker. As you guys know, I didn't start watching wrestling until 2010, and The Undertaker was pretty much almost done with his full-time in-ring career. I mean, he did have a match at SummerSlam 2010, I do believe, if I can remember correctly. So from the first time that I saw The Undertaker be attacked by The Nexus uh, when he was going to take on Bret Hart during that reign of terror of The Nexus. I had known about The Undertaker previously because um, some of my friends would watch wrestling and they they would always go like, oh my god, The Undertaker's going to have a match tonight. So... I would I would watch wrestling with them and you know, not really get into it like I did way back then. Uh way back ten years ago pretty much. But you know, The Undertaker is such a cornerstone of the WWE. I mean, he's on my WWE Mount Rushmore, hands down. You got Hogan, uh Brett, Sean, Stone Cold, Ooh, see? Ooh, you got Hogan, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Ooh, see this is going to be hard. This is a hard one. Um because I'm thinking of people that got the WWE to where they are today. You know what? I'm going to add five heads to Mount Rushmore. It's going to be Hogan, Rock, Austin, Cena, and The Undertaker. Now, some of you might disagree with John Cena, but John Cena carried this company for years and years. And you can see that's pretty evident now when you watch WWE now. There's something missing. There's a leader that is missing uh, with this locker room today. But enough about today's product. Let's talk about The Undertaker. The Undertaker debuted at Survivor Series 1990, and from then then on went on to wreak havoc. I mean, some of the more under, some of the more memorable Undertaker segments that I do remember, as I've watched on, is the um, crucifix-like uh, Undertaker emblem that he would set on fire in the Attitude Era um, beating Hogan for his world first WWE title, I mean, I didn't get to witness that personally, but thanks to the network, that's something, that's something that you can go back and watch now, now the Undertaker's went through so many transformations over the years, from the Undertaker, um, The Ministry of Darkness Undertaker, American Badass Undertaker, and then to the dead man that we see today. But I want to talk about the presentation of The Undertaker. It's unlike anything that you have seen before. You got the blue lights, you got the fog. And... And being... I'm pretty sure being in the ring and taking on The Undertaker especially at WrestleMania, which was his yard, I'm pretty sure that is terrifying for people. Now I don't want to get into if I if I believe that the streak should have ended or not. It wasn't my decision and I'm not going to beat a dead horse saying that. You know, I think that I personally, I will say this, personally I believe that the streak shouldn't have ended until The Undertaker said Okay, this is who I want to beat the streak. I think he can be the one to beat the streak. Because in my opinion, and here we go, I'm going to go into it anyways. In my opinion, I don't think Brock Lesnar was the guy to beat the Undertaker's streak. Why, do you ask? And I know what some people are saying, saying. Well, it's Brock Lesnar. Why wouldn't he? I don't give a fuck who Brock Lesnar is because Brock Lesnar is personally responsible for my decline of watching wrestling because this is honestly the longest time that we have had a WWE Champion on TV in the last, I don't know, four to five years because Brock has held the title and it doesn't show up or isn't on TV. You know, what good is having a champion if you're not going to have it on TV? Here you go again, going on a tangent. But that's beside the point. Me, personally, I think, um, honestly, I don't know who I would have had beat the streak. Probably whoever's going to put him on his last match. Which, if it was AJ Styles, I wouldn't say AJ Styles. I would probably say somebody before. Like a Roman Reigns. And I know I'm going to get my fucking head bitten off for saying Roman Reigns, but it's true. I think if Roman Reigns would have beat The Undertaker streak, he would have been hated so much more. And then Vince would have turned him heel. Or if he would have turned him heel, would have been fucking fantastic. Like he is now. It's great shit. But I've rambled on long enough. I just want to personally thank The Undertaker for giving me almost 20 years of entertainment and sacrificing your body in matches with the greats of Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Your career, sir, is going to be unmatched, unrivaled. And from me, and everybody at the Bakery Podcast, and the Bakery Podcast family, which is basically my fiancé, my kids, and my family in general, we want to thank you, Undertaker, for giving us so many hours of content to devour and to look at on the WWE Network So here's to you, as I drink some water, because I don't have any alcohol, here's to you, dead man. All right. Now, let's get to the extreme. All right, so, ECW. November to remember 1991 nine sorry 1999 took place on November 7th 1999 I wanted to do the anniversary edition of this show but time has really just kind of passed me by and I've honestly um I've been doing a lot of I've been making sure that I've been watching these matches over and over and over and over again so. And that's what I've been doing. That's why it's taking me so long. So I do want to apologize to Jonte Davenport for this episode taking so long to record. Um, so for my first show, I I should say Jonte, I gotta give you props, brother, for choosing one hell of a show because at the from the fucking get go, the opening segment, which is EC which ECW is known for, just getting the crowd ready to go. these start off with these outrageous opening segments with joel gertner i mean god joel gertner was so good on the fucking microphone and he said something about niagara falls and rhyming it with rhyming it with when they suck my balls i fucking popped i mean i'm talking genuine not like Haha, that was funny i legit paused And fucking was dying of laughter. Granted, I was also smoking a little bit of the Mary Jane. But you gotta smoke a little bit of the Mary Jane to watch ECW. It's the best way to watch it. And then, you get Taz's music, which is War Machine by Kiss. Um... And that just sets the stage for how crazy this is gonna fuck, this show is going to go. Now, Taz is on his way out of ECW at this point. He's going to debut for the WWF um, at Royal Rumble 2000 to take on Kurt Angle. And Taz just threatens Joey Styles and Joel Gertner to choke him out. I mean, it was so, it was a fun segment. You also got um, Don Callis, who, if you look at my picture from EWF when I did the bakery segment, same fucking color scheme if you're watching this on the network. So we start off, we get the open, which I played at the beginning of this episode, um, but our match, match number one is Simon Diamond versus Spike Dudley. I gave this two and a half out of five stars, and Here's my notes. We open the show after the opening video package with Simon Diamond and Dick Hertz. Yes, you heard that correctly. Dick Hertz. And the crowd for this show. And the crowd instantly. I mean, this isn't an ECW show without some derogatory... Uh, Chance, right I mean (laughs) they told Simon Diamond that he sucks dick that's right a you suck dick chant Simon goes on to do his Simon says shtick and talking about his and then eventually talks about his dick being so huge and so vascular again only in WCW only in ECW Then Jazz comes out to slap Simon Diamond and get taken out and declared dead by my monster dick. (laughs) I can't make this up. I swear to God. Then Spike Spike Dudley comes out in an impromptu match. Now, ECW was notorious for doing stuff like this, of having segments that lead into matches And this show is heavy with impromptu matches. Like, it's just bam, 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 right off the fucking bat. This is a solid opening match, and in my opinion, Spike Dudley never had a bad match until he got to WWE, where he was used mainly for an entertainment purpose, which is bullshit. Um, Also, the the acid dropper was such a phenomenal move, and when Spike Dudley does it, It looks like he's just floating midair every time he did the move. Again, I gave this match 2.5 out of 5 stars. Spike Dudley picks up the victory. And it becomes non-stop action at this point as Lil Guido and Big Sal damn near murder Spike Dudley when out comes Nova for another impromptu match. Match number two, Nova versus Lil Guido. I gave this match 3 out of 5 stars and you could literally tell that nova is such an innovator for the style that we see today Uh, back at this time man he's pulling off moves that weren't being done in wwf or even wcw at the time it was just another solid showing but i do feel nova should have won this match also i want to make note of the sound that the ecw ring makes Every time somebody does a like a slam or a move or whether transitioning from one side of the ring to the other, you can literally hear the impact of each move. It's insane. We get another uh, save me moment when Chris Chetty makes his return just to get destroyed by Danny Doring and Roadkill because Phil Guido ended up attacking Nova after the match. And here we go the second best match of the night a three-way dance between yoshihiro tajiri super crazy and jerry lynn i gave this four and three quarters of a star out of five and i have to ask you this have you ever had a match described as an absolute car crash because that's exactly what this match describes An absolute car crash. I'm talking bodies flying Mm, everywhere. And this is the kind of car crash stuff that ECW had become Mm. known for, especially with um, guys like Jerry Lynn, uh, Tajiri, and Super Crazy. Super Crazy especially. If you go watch his matches from uh, WWE, ECW, One Night Stand, they're fucking crazy. Hence the fucking name. Jerry Lynn is definitely one of the most underrated pro wrestlers of all time. He was so, again, so innovative and was doing things a decade before they were in every wrestling match. Tajiri in ECW is also unmatched compared to his WWE run where he's made to pretty much be a joke. And Super Crazy is just that. Fucking crazy. He gets eliminated first, but I can see why. The story is Tajiri and Jerry Lynn, and what a story that was told! Amazing action from both. Both Jerry Lynn picks up the victory with a hooked pile driver. Let me tell you right now, the only match on this show that got a five out of five stars for me was Mike Awesome versus Tanaka, and I'll and I'll talk about that. Um, I'll talk about that match when we get to it. First, baby next match let we go down a little bit with a one and a quarter star Debaldi's versus Axel, Rot- Axel Rotten, Balls Mahoney and New Jack so you know something's getting fucked up if there is one guy ever associated with going to the extreme it would be New Jack yeah, so I already knew going into this match this is going to have two things blood, and someone's going to get fucked up. That's exactly what happened. One thing I always find extremely fun, well, extremely funny, was the fact that all of New Jack's matches, his theme music would play through the whole damn match. uh, Which I am going to play for you, play a snippet of it for you, right now. So imagine, you're watching this match, and that's all you hear, is... New Jack's theme song. But wait, it gets crazier. There was an ad, this was an absolute street fight with anything goes, but it was lacking really any any entertainment until you see New Jack start climbing on top of a basketball backboard and jumps off. Which unfortunately with ECW being ECW, missed the shot completely. But my god. The Baldies, I do believe, end up picking up this victory. I kind of forgot to really mark that down. Match number five. Chris Candido versus Sabu. I gave a a two and a quarter stars. I didn't really like this match. And Jonte knows why. As much as I really love Sabu, the only thing that made me hate Sabu is Bill Alfonso blowing that goddamn whistle. But I was talking to Jonte about Sabu, and he had literally the best statement, and I have to agree. He is a glorified spot monkey. And as I said, I couldn't agree more. The man is known as the homicidal, genocidal, suicidal, genocidal uh, and he literally almost dies every match he has. Don't tell me otherwise, because he does. Sabu in his matches would do these insane crazy bumps with chairs, diving off of shit. And honestly, I'm surprised he hasn't really succumbed to any, like, internal injuries in his life. And I know, I do believe he might be in poor health in 2020, but I'm not entirely hey, man, sure, no so it's please it's don't quote turn. me on that. Hey, man, no I will give credit to Chris Candido, though. He did, he was standing in this match endurance-wise, and I gotta give props to the man. He definitely made me a fan. I wasn't a fan of Chris Candido before this match. But I definitely am now. Uh, And unfortunately, he is no longer with us. Now, the best match of the night. Masato Tanaka versus Mike Awesome, who was the ECW world champion at the time. I gave this match a 5 out of 5. Because it had everything. It had shock. It had awe. Like, my lord, dude. They tore the fucking house down. And legit, damn near almost murdered each other in the ring. I mean, there were some crazy, insane bumps in this match. Just go back and watch it. I'm telling you, man. You're not going to be disappointed. And when they had their matches... At uh, one night stand, I think it was two thousand five. They absolutely fucking killed each other. All right, so the next match, RVD versus Taz. I've seen this match for what I feel multiple times, so I wasn't really impressed with this showing. To be completely honest with you, um, I gave this a Two out of five stars. I mean, it was a lot of back-and-forth action between the two. RVD eventually, pick, eventually picks up the victory. But I want to talk about the... Um, ...athleticism of Rob Van Dam. The dude was hella athletic. And unfortunately, didn't get his fucking just due in the WWF... Um, Eventually became, you know, WWE champion. Kind of squandered that opportunity by getting busted, I think, with pot, which is fucking dumb. But the dude was hella athletic. And I'm pretty sure if you ask any wrestler today, one of their influences has got to be Rob Van Dam. Got to be. Okay, so the main event main event of November You're not off. November to remember 1999 it was a six man tag team match in which Tommy Dreamer Raven and their mystery partner was supposed to take on Rhino and the Impact Players which was just incredible and Lance Storm The Sandman Made his surprise return to ECW as the mystery tag team partner of Dreamer and Raven. Near the end of the match, the valets Francine and Dom Marie get involved in a "quote unquote" cat fight. The distraction allowed Raven to accidentally hit Sandman with the Singapore cane. That's incredible to hit. That's incredible on Sandman to win the match now I didn't ECW main event matches always feature one thing and to me it feels like it's a lot of blood a lot of weapons and that's fine and dandy but you've seen everything that you can see already I mean think about think about it You've seen New Jack jump off of a basketball board. You've seen Axel Rotten and Balls Mahoney, who are the innovators of chairs. Came into the ring with chairs. You've seen weapon after weapon after weapon. What more is there that you can use to dial me in? I gave this a, a one and three, three-quarter stars. they I'm sorry, the The main event was just like any other ECW main event. They took it to the extreme. There was a catfight of the valets. And a distraction gets a victory. Now I'm gonna admit something. I didn't get to really watch this match as when I'm when it's through my work week, I don't get to watch a whole lot of wrestling. So I didn't really get to watch this match all the way through on the network, but from what I did see, I wasn't really in in tune with. I'm not really the biggest Sandman fan. I'm not really the biggest Tommy Dreamer fan. I used to like Raven back then, but now not so much. So it was just given a star and a three quarters. uh, Star, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know what I meant. But yeah, guys, that is going to be my review of ECW November to Remember. Next week, I'm coming in hot and heavy with some uh, conspiracy theories or just me just ranting and raving about uh, current events today. Um, I'm not going to talk about the election because honestly, I'm not going to bore you to death about my thoughts and feelings on the election. It's just stupid, blah, 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 blah. Hi Aaron. but with that being said, this is the end of the episode, guys. Um thank you for listening. Next next pay per view that I get to do, I'm gonna try to do more in depth um coverage of it and I do wanna to apologize to Jon Tay if this isn't what he expected thank it you. to be, but my network subscription ran out, buddy. I didn't get to watch the last match all the way through, so I do apologize. Um, but with that being said, I've got housework to get done today. Hope you guys enjoy Survivor Series 2020. Uh, watch the Undertaker. No. Yeah. Not bad. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch the Undertaker say his final goodbyes. Maybe I have my own theory that he might have one last match at WrestleMania. But that's what every fan wants from their favorite wrestler of all time is one last match. So, this has been the Bakery Podcast and I will see you next week. Thank you.